Whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, it's there. It's what causes divisions in our society. It's what causes divisions in our families and even in churches. It's what causes our bodies to get older and to break down and to wear out. It's what causes you to sometimes go off the handle and blow up at your kids or to say something unloving to your spouse. It's what causes you to maybe sometimes get a little lazy with your schoolwork or or on the job. It's what brings tension into our homes and into our, our streets and into our society. And so whether you realize it or not, whether you like it or not, sin is an ever-present companion in this world. And eventually, if sin is not addressed, if it's left unchecked, it's not only going to divide you between each other and put a rift there, but it's also going to put a rift between you and God, and its end game is death. How's that for a start, huh? (laughs) It's good that we talk about sin because it's a reality that we can't escape, but don't forget that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to set you and I free from the chains of sin. He came to heal those broken relationships that our sin or the sins of another caused. He came to wipe the slate clean and set us free. That was his mission. That was his goal. That's why he did what he did. And so, over the next five weeks, you and I are going to get a ringside seat as we watch everything Jesus endured so that we would be forgiven and set free from sin and given forgiveness and life in him. And the first thing we're going to focus in on today is how Jesus endured temptation for us. And I can't think of a better place in Scripture to turn to than than Matthew chapter 4, because this is the account of the Prince of Peace taking on the Prince of Darkness. You have this epic battle in the wilderness, and your souls hang in the balance. And so as we consider that today, we're going to open up with a prayer and ask God to bless us. Father, we ask that you be with us today as we consider this amazing truth, that that Jesus went to war for us to set us free. Father, we ask that the words of my mouth today and the meditations of all of our hearts, that it be pleasing in your sight, so that we may be led to repent of sins where needed, And so that we can leave here assured that that Jesus, the conquering hero, has paid for those sins in full and we are forgiven. May we recognize that truth, may we believe it, and may we go from here to live it and to share it. Father, bless us now. And we pray all of this in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. All right, so... 
Temptation number one. We're going to get right after today. Matthew chapter four. Now, real quick, before we start, what happened right before this? Jesus was in the Jordan River. Jesus was just baptized by John the Baptist, and and the heavens opened, and basically kind of a one-sentence sermon was preached from the Father. He said, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. So right before this, we got the Father validating, this is the Son of God, my son, and you need to listen to him. Right after that, Matthew says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Hmm. So there it is, temptation number one, Satan throws the first punch in this epic battle for human souls. Now, before we get into each temptation individually, I want you to notice something here. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. You know what that means? It means that this was premeditated. This was planned out. It wasn't like Jesus is going along and, hey, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Jesus? I didn't think you were going to be out here today. No, none of that. When Jesus left the Jordan River, he was led by the Father himself. God, the Spirit, led Jesus into the desert, and Jesus knew who was out there. That's a huge, important point we dare not miss. Jesus knows what is happening. He knows who's out there. He knows what's going to go down, yet he goes anyway, and he goes for you. And so, he's out there. The devil approaches after 40 days and nights of fasting and prayer. The devil's like, here's my chance. And the devil throws the first punch. Hey, Jesus, if you really are God's son. Now, he knows he's God's son, right? Satan's not, Satan's not stupid. He knows who he's dealing with, but kind of a jab, right? If you're really God's son, Jesus, hey, see those stones there? Turn them into bread. You're hungry. You haven't eaten in 40 days. You, you've, been, you've been obeying the will of your father, doing everything he wants you to do. Jesus, do something for yourself. Turn those stones into a nice, hot, steaming loaf of bread. Right? You can see it, Jesus, can't you? The steam rising. Ah, the smell, Jesus. And, and while you're at it, whip up some butter and some jam or however you like your, your bread and, and just, just eat something. You can do it. You have the power. And Jesus did. Absolutely, this would be child's play for Jesus. He could have turned all those stones into a bakery if he wanted to. And who would blame him? He's hungry 40 days and 40 nights fasting. Could you imagine that? He's starving. Who would blame Jesus? Just get a little bread, man. It's, it's going to be okay. But do you see what was at stake here? You see what, what Satan was doing here, right? Jesus, you do you. 
Jesus, you think about yourself just once. For the most part, you're a pretty good guy. You think about everybody but yourself. But just once, think about you and your wants and your needs and your desires. Don't wait for the, your father to take care of you. Don't wait for dad to rush in and give you the loaf of bread. Just do it yourself. Mm. What's the harm, Jesus? And isn't that how Satan still works on us? Right, there's the bread. If it looks good, if it feels good, if it sounds good, just, just do something for yourself. Don't wait on the Father. Take matters into your own hands. What's the harm in that? Well, you heard in the reading just a minute ago when we read the whole thing, Jesus didn't give in. In fact, Jesus counters with a nice uppercut and gets Satan hard in the chin and said, uh-uh, nope, it is written that man does not live on bread alone. And now, I can't help but think of the Lord's Prayer, right? Give us this day our daily bread. You got it, right? And what are we talking about? All that our body needs in this life. So man does not live on bread alone. What we consume, what we fill our bellies with, what we fill our garages and our houses with, what we think we need to be happy. No, man does not live on that alone, Satan, but on the very words of God. Boom, right? Round one's over. Jesus won, Satan nothing. Yay, all right. <sighs> Satan's not stopping, you know that. Right? Temptation number two, Matthew tells us, then the devil took him to the holy city, so Jerusalem, and he takes him to the highest point of the temple there in Jerusalem. Here it is again. If you really are the son of God, prove it, right? Throw yourself down, for it is written, he, the father, will command his angels concerning you. They will, not lift, or they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Hmm. I don't know if you know this, but Satan is a biblical scholar. Right? Satan's quoting scripture here. He knows the Bible better than you know it. He knows it better than I know it. He doesn't believe it. He doesn't submit to it, but he knows it well. And you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to take a truth of God's word and warp and twist it and manipulate it to serve his purpose. Really at the root of this temptation is this. I mean, doesn't, you, doesn't God promise you these things? I mean, if God is so loving, if God is so awesome, what are you worried about? Just jump. He says he's going to do it. So why won't you do it? I can't help but think about Adam and Eve and their struggle in Genesis, right? We heard that earlier. Satan did the same thing to them. Did God really say that? Did he really say you shouldn't be doing that? You, you know what? Actually, God, check this out, Adam and Eve. God knows better. He knows that if you eat from the tree, you'll be just like him. You'll know good and evil, and he doesn't want that. So maybe God is not as good, and maybe he's not as loving. Maybe he can't be trusted like you think. So go ahead and jump, Jesus. Let's see if God will keep his word. Unless you think he's not as good. Unless you think he's not as loving. Unless you, you think he's not going to keep his promises. And How often doesn't Jesus or Satan do that to us? 
if God is really so good and loving, if he's going to keep his promises right, he says he's going to work out everything for my good, but why did he let me lose my job? If God is so good, if he's so loving, then why is my child struggling with some issues in school? If God is so good and so loving, then, then why am I sick all the time? If God is so good and so loving, why do I struggle in my finances? Why are my relationships sometimes a mess? Why do I battle depression and anxiety? Why do I give in to those addictions? If he's so good, if he's so loving, then why does that happen? Jesus, again, in round two, lands another great punch on Satan, and he says, "Mm mm-mm. Satan, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He is good. He is loving. And he's going to keep his word. And I don't need to, to do a swan dive off the top of the temple to prove that to anybody and not even prove it to myself. I know that he's going to do it. So round two is over. Jesus two. Satan. Zero. Satan's going to try one more time. Matthew tells us that the devil took him to a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor and all this, he says, I will give to you if, if, Jesus, you, you bow down and worship me. You know what, Jesus? I don't even need you to bow fully. I don't need you to, I don't even need you to lay flat on the ground. Take a knee. Do, do a little bow. I don't care. Whatever you choose, just do it. Worship me, and all of this will be yours. You'll have power. You'll have money. You'll have might. You'll have the good life. No more struggle. No more suffering. No more temptations. No more cross. It will all be yours, Jesus. If, if, you bow down and worship me. Just a little bow. Just a little worship. That's all I need. Then you can go back to doing whatever you want. A couple of things in that temptation that stand out to me anyway. One, <laughs> one, Satan didn't have that kind of power and authority, did he? Hey, all these kingdoms, all these things, right? All things in heaven and on earth have been created by God and for God. So he's offering up something to Jesus that's not his. But that doesn't matter to Satan because he had no intention of actually following through on his promises. He just needed Jesus to worship just once. And then it'd be over. Just once. One little sin. And then Jesus would not be able to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world. And you and I, we'd be done. One little sin. As we listen to these temptations that, that our Savior endured for us, do they at all sound familiar to you? If they don't, they should, because this is exactly how Satan still works. He really hasn't come up with new tricks. He's gotten really good at what he does, but nothing really new. And he uses these same bag of tricks on you and me, right? Because he tempted Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus said, nope, he didn't give in. And if you think that was the last time Satan tempted him, you got to be kidding me. Satan was doing it nonstop all the way to the cross because this was his one shot to take out Jesus. 
and he didn't do it. He lost. Jesus won not just round one, round two, round three, but he won the whole bout. And so now Satan has turned his attention to you. Satan's number one goal is to drag you away from Jesus forever. And he doesn't care how he does it. He doesn't care how, how you give in to the temptation. He just needs one little sin. That's it. Because he knows what one little sin will turn into. And he's okay with that. And so he tempts. He prowls, right? We get that picture in the Bible, prowling like a lion, looking for someone to pounce and to eat and to devour for eternity. He tempts and he comes at us and he promises us happiness, right? Do you, do you, whatever makes you happy, but he always leaves us wanting for more. He'll come and he'll promise us the world. I'll give you all of these things. And when we bite the bait and take the bait, we realize that he was lying. He'll come and he'll take God's good word and that we, we know and, and then he'll twist it. Did God really say that? And we'll be like, I don't know. That's a good point. And then we jump off the deep end. Satan will do whatever it takes to drag you away from Jesus. He'll convince you that bad is good and good is bad. He'll convince you that your Father in Heaven can't be that loving or why would he withhold you, withhold that from you? Why would, why would he let the kid get sick? Why would he let mom die? Why would he let you continually struggle with depression or alcoholism or whatever other thing it is that we are addicted to, your phones or money, possessions, titles, ranks? Why would God let any of that happen if he's so good and loving? And Satan's right there fanning it. Yeah, that's right. Why would he? And he tries to convince us, well, you know what? If nobody gets hurt, what's the big deal? If nobody knows about it, what's the big deal? As long as I'm happy, as long as we love each other, as long as I'm doing what, what fulfills my heart, well, then it can't be that bad. But here's what Satan never tells you when he tempts you that way. He never tells you that somebody always finds out. Somebody always gets hurt. And there are always consequences for our sinful actions. Always. Well, thankfully, this is exactly why Jesus came. He came to endure temptation, to battle Satan, to win the war for us. Right? He came to set us free because sin always leads to death, right? Death of a job, death of a relationship, death of a marriage, death of stability, death of our own sanity. It always leads to death, but Jesus came to change all that. Right? For every time that we have believed the devil's lies, Jesus never did. Every time that we have twisted God's word to fit our own agendas and to meet our own needs, not thinking about others but just self, Jesus never thought about self, he thought about you. For every time that, that we, we, we should have spoken and didn't, for every time we kept our mouth shut and we shouldn't have, Jesus spoke a word of forgiveness and life for us. And you see, Jesus didn't just win a couple of rounds in the desert. He battled Satan every single hour, minute, and second until he stretched out his arms as far as it would go on the cross 
to forgive you and set you free. He was willing to take on hell and Satan and death itself so that you would never have to. And because of what Jesus did in the desert and on the cross, you are what Satan never wanted you to be and still doesn't want you to be. You are forgiven, you are loved, you are saved, you are a child of God. So now what? Right? You're a child of God, you're forgiven, you're saved, heaven's your home, but guess what? You're not in heaven yet. And so you know what that means? Satan hasn't stopped tempting you, he hasn't stopped attacking you, he's going to come ruthlessly, and he wants to take you away from Jesus, because he doesn't want you to get there. So the next time Satan comes, what are you going to do? I'll tell you what you better not do. You better not think that you can beat him on your own. You better not think that you can get into the ring with Satan and go 12 rounds and I think I can come out. I I think I've got this sin lick this time and I got him. Because he will beat you every time. So instead, look to the one who already fought the battle and won. Look to your Savior who knows what it's like to be in your shoes, to be tempted in every way, yet never sinned. Look to the one who rescued you and saved you, and then use the weapon he gave you. Did you notice the weapon Jesus used? Jesus could have done anything he wanted to. He he could have went toe-to-toe with Satan and just been like, with his own breath, Satan's done. He smoked. Jesus could have snapped his fingers, and there's Satan's Satan's the one bowing down, worshiping. He could have said, hey, Dad, 12,000 legions of angels, let's end it today, it's over. He could have done anything he wanted to, but you know why he doesn't? Because you don't have that power. You don't have that ability. And so what does Jesus do? He defeats the devil with the weapon that he now places in your hand. We got a lot of Marines here, right? If you were going into battle, I think there's one thing, and you can correct me after church if you want, but I think there's one thing you would never go into battle without. Your rifle. If you're going to face the enemy, you need to go in with the weapon that has been issued to you. You would never want to do that without it. So don't go into battle with the devil without the weapon that God has placed into your hands. Because each time he fought the devil, what did he say? It is written, it is written, it is written. Right? He used his very own words, and that was enough to repel the devil. And now Jesus says, here, the devil's going to attack you. Here's your issued weapon. It's my word, and he doesn't stand a chance when you use it. So use it. Actually open it up. Read it daily. Because the devil's not taking a day off. Use the weapon Jesus gave to you. And maybe another word of encouragement, don't do it alone. You know one of the lies that Satan loves to convince Christians of, and he's done a pretty good job with it, is that we can do this whole Christianity thing alone. 
Satan has convinced many of Christians, you can do this by yourself. You don't need community. You don't have to get together. You can do it by yourself. And I don't know if he sometimes plays into our individualistic American society, right? Me, myself, and I. But, but he uses it against us and says, you can do this alone. And then he sits there waiting, ready to pick off the person who's been left alone with no one else to battle with him. So open the word, use the weapon, do it with others. That's why I'm so excited today. Today we're, we're starting signups for life groups. And I hope and I pray that you find one. Your spiritual life might depend on it. I hope and pray today, that's my prayer, it's your pastor, that, that you take any excuse you might have, I'm too busy, I can't do that, they can't do this, and you just check it at the door and say, no, Satan, I'm not going to listen to you today, and you get connected. And if it's not with one of those groups, find a group of Christians somehow, some way. To get into God's word together, and to battle Satan together. Another thing, right? The, the, the Lenten Bible reading plan. Many of you have signed up. You've been commenting. You've been doing it. But many of you are not signed up. If you're doing something else, great. Amen. If you're not doing anything, join us. Don't do it alone. You don't have to. God doesn't want you to. Join us as we open up this book, as we gather together and resist the temptation of Satan with the power of Jesus. Because here's the reality. Again, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, sin is real and sin is bad and it divides and it wants to kill. And Satan wants you to think, eh, no big deal. But it is. And that's why Jesus came. That's why he endured temptation and he endured the cross to save you. That's why he didn't just stop in the desert, but he went all the way to Calvary to stretch out his arms and die to pay for your sins in full. And so that when the dust settled on Easter morning, Jesus comes out of his tomb and no one's left standing but him. The one who declares you forgiven. The one who says you are free. The one who says you are saved and you are mine. You are a child of God because of Jesus Christ and what he endured for you. Don't forget it. Amen.